0: Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of Kingdom service. For more information about our revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today. Is evangelist Tony Sullivan of Fairburn? Ohio, uh, I almost said Ohio, Georgia. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Tony preaches for the Lester Road Christian Church in Fairburn, but also serves as evangelist with the Christian Restoration Association. We're doing this interview long distance because Tony and I have paths that seldom ever cross. Tony, I heard about you long before I met you. Always good stuff. Always, always good stuff. I promise you. It seems you were just down the road holding a revival from where I was holding a revival, or you were at the church I was at a year earlier, or you were scheduled on their schedule for the year after me. But anyway, you're a busy man, and so am I, so we haven't seen a lot of each other. But uh, I know you've been serving the Lord for many years, and I'm ready now to hear about your life on the front lines of kingdom service. So, Brother Tony, tell us your story.
1: Well... I've been practicing this for 30 years, so maybe I can do a good job of it. All right. Uh, Anytime you want to interrupt and ask a question or give me direction, feel free to do that. All right. I'm like like a lot of guys I've heard you talk to. I had the the blessing, uh, if that's the right word, of being dropped into a Christian home when the good Lord decided to drop me in this earth. I could not have picked better parents or grandparents, if I'd have been show, done it myself, I'd have would have probably messed up and picked Elvis Presley or something. You know? <laughs> but, but God, you know, maybe Humphrey Bogart. Where there's some money, anyway. But God chose to send me to a home on the 13th day of March in 1947 that loved the Lord and that served the Lord. I was I used to give a testimony in one of the sermons I preached. I don't preach it any longer. Uh, But anyway, uh, I was born in a home, in a family rather, excuse me, where we were surrounded by preachers, elders, deacons, youth ministers, leaders of ladies' ministries. Our family get-togethers were like a convention or like a camp meeting. Uh, And we had uh, uncles that were preachers, and my dad preached a little tiny bit, not much, but he was an elder. He taught the adult Sunday school class at the church where I grew up, which was a little tiny country church out in rural Georgia. And uh, my granddaddy, uh, and I'm going to mention his name, John Bass, my granddaddy could not read nor write, but he could quote the scripture when he gave the communion meditation. Wow. And uh, that that's just the family that I was blessed to be born into. I was born into the New Testament Christian church or church of Christ. I never had to find my way out of denominationalism or some occult religion, or I had a father who provided for me. You know, I hear people talk about, well, my dad, uh, bless his heart, was an alcoholic. And, but I never had any of that. I was, I don't think I realized how fortunate I was until I was on on a bit of my twenties and stuff. And let me just, tell you how that helped me. All
0: right.
1: I had a granddaddy and uh, my granddaddy's family were cafe owners. His sister and uh, husband owned a cafe, another sister and husband owned a cafe. My granddaddy owned a cafe and he fed a lot of preachers in that cafe for free over the years. And uh, he was a friend to preachers. Again, he could not read nor write. One of his best friends was a preacher that Many people have, in the old times, Tom, you've probably heard of him, but guys today, they don't hear about him much. Owen Steele. Yeah. Owen was born in North Georgia, in Winder, Georgia. Uh, And uh, I forgot where he went to college. Uh, It might have been Johnson, but I'm not sure, because that would have been in the 20s. But he came back to Georgia and started a lot of churches. He did not start my home church but he uh, helped start my home church in 1926, Cross Plains Christian Church right outside of Carrollton, Georgia. My granddaddy was good friends with Owen Steele, and it's because of Owen Steele's influence uh, from when he met my granddaddy around 1925, 26, till 1929 when my grandparents were immersed in the Christ for the remission of sins. And my mother likes to tell the story she was about three years old when they were baptized. Uh, watching them get baptized, a little old, uh, creek down there below their home place. And when they put them under the water, it made my mother mad that that preacher had pushed their mother and daddy in that water. <laughs> she didn't like that at all. She, My mother was a fighter until the day she died. And I guess even at three years of age, if she could have got loose, she would have went down there and got the preacher. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, I think my granddaddy, my daddy didn't have a father. My daddy's father died when he was very young, and he was raised uh, by a man who was a good, godly man. I thought of him as a grandparent, but he really wasn't dedicated to to church or anything. And it was when my daddy met my mom in school that he got into church and going to church, and he met my granddaddy. And Papa was, as I said, a friend of preachers. And my dad, Julius Sullivan, Excuse me. Uh, got a little emotional there. That's right. Uh, he met my granddaddy, and then my daddy became a friend to preachers. It, it wasn't unusual to come home and find a preacher in our living room. My dad was an electrician. Uh, we had a revival meeting. Uh, it, when that revival ended on Friday night, my dad was going to have the evangelist and the home church preacher at our house, and we were going to have ice cream. Uh My dad made a friend of preachers and that had a great influence on me. Sure. Now I'm going to backtrack a little bit back to my granddaddy. I have a picture I'm looking at right now in my office. Uh, When we're through here, if you want to see it, I'll show it to you. Uh, We traveled the first few years of my life. I remember nothing about it. My father was working with Roy Richards construction company and, Uh, They were pulling power lines up the Atlantic East Coast. We lived in South Carolina. We lived in Maryland. I don't remember any of it. I was too young. And uh, so uh, they were pulling those power lines for the uh, EMC, the rural electric people. Uh, And that's when the rural areas started really getting more and more electricity in their homes. Uh, And so dad was pulling those electrical wires, high line construction, they called it. Finally, they decided since I was getting close to school age, four or five years old, that it would be better to move back home, so that they wouldn't be taking me out of one school and put me in another. And I was probably four, five years old, when my granddaddy had me up in his arms after church one Sunday, and our preacher, that probably nobody in the listening to this has ever heard of, ever, was a man named Ted Jones. He was a, what we used to call a tent maker.
0: Yeah.
1: They call him my vocational now. He was a tent maker. And he would come down to my home church from Atlanta and preach every Sunday. And my granddaddy was holding me in his arms. Uh, and I can't remember the exact moment. I, I was only four or five years old. Yeah, but the words that Mr. Jones said was something like this I bet this young man's going to be a preacher someday. And that was it. Wow. That's all it took. Now, I had other thoughts. I was like you were probably when you were a kid. I was going to be a baseball player. And I was going to play first base with the St. Louis Cardinals. Stan Musial was going to get out of the way and give me first base for the Cardinals. I'm a fair baseball player, but I never would have even made the lowest run of the minors. That, uh, (laughs) that That was a pipe dream, as they called it. I even thought at one time about being a dentist. And I know that scares you to think of me doing your root canal.
0: Just, just but, a little bit. Just a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I always came back. I knew. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew that I was going to be a preacher. And so when I graduated high school in 1965, I went to Atlanta Christian College and studied there under what I think are some of the greatest men god ever put together in one college of course more kids feel that way sure and i studied Denver Sizemore uh Orville Morgan oh yeah Roy McKinney then later in grad school i was uh, under Jack Cottrell uh R.C. Foster Wilkie Hmm. Winter i had the privilege of studying under some great guys in my ministry so from that i became a ministry but i will say this uh One of the greatest things that happened to me and one of the greatest decisions, other than being born into a Christian family, was marrying into a Christian family. My in-laws were Christians. My father-in-law was a deacon in the church. My mother-in-law was very active in the church. Uh, My wife became a Christian, I believe, when she was 14. And uh, I met her in Christian service camp in 1965. And then I went to Bible college and we dated her sophomore and senior year in school. And then we got married probably looking back on it a little bit earlier than we should, but we've been together for 54 years. So it worked out and I'm going to tell you my wife In all the years I traveled uh, three times. I was six weeks away from home. One time weeks without seeing my family, which really wasn't good. But my wife had two little boys she was raising and she couldn't travel with me. Yeah. She never complained. She never fussed. If we did have a little disagreement, she never said, Now you've been gone. Nothing like that ever happened. And I had a wife who has 100% supported me, and I've made some really stupid decisions. Man, I have really made some. Well, you stupid- you
0: must be the only one that's ever done that.
1: I think I am. I've read the book. I <laughs> think I'm the only one. I'm not talking about immoral things. Don't let everybody right. run around going out, rob banks and shot up liquor stores. No, I just you know I made a bad business decision one time that really put us down. I was and all, but she's always supported me and always stood by me yeah. and never. She might have said it to herself, but she never said, "I told you to me." So I just want everybody to know in this interview that my parents, my grandparents, my in-laws and my wife, are. if I've had, have had any success in anything I've done, they're the ones that need the credit and the glory. Of course, Jesus does the glory of God, right? but on earth, they're the ones that, that have it.
0: Very understandable. So sure.
1: Yeah. One of them. Go ahead.
0: No, I, I was just going to say that uh, same thing. I, I married a Christian lady and, I've made some terrible, bad decisions uh, through the years, and she has always been there for me. And uh, I'm always saying to young men who are in college or think about ministry: really think about who you're going to marry, because this right. will make or break you as a Christian, as a as a minister, every part of your life. And That's whether true. you're going to be a minister or not, you need to consider that and consider marrying someone who's a Christian. And uh, uh, so many don't. And it, it, tragedies happen because of that?
1: Well, um, and you want me to tell my story? I guess that's... Yes, sir. Uh, things really... I, I was... As a child, I, I was not... I was like most children when it came to going to church and Sunday school. If I could have found a way of staying home, I would have done it. <laughs> and uh, I didn't always pay attention. i We were a small church. And it was three teenagers and we we sat in the back and passed notes and did all those things that teenagers are known to do but uh, I'm thankful for Marvin Horsley our home church preacher who put up with three of us because two of us went in ministry Uh, a guy named Jerry Key who's since gone on to be with the Lord and myself Jerry preached in North Georgia and Just a wonderful guy uh, and uh, went to Atlanta at the same time I was in Atlanta. And uh, we um, were in school together. And I don't know, I still to this day don't know why we weren't roommates. I mean, we grew up in church together, but we had different roommates in college. And Jerry married a good Christian lady and they ministered in Jefferson, Georgia, and other places for years. And Jerry um, unfortunately um, passed away at a very, fairly young age, probably in his late 50s. And went on home to be with the Lord, and uh, the Lord has allowed me to stay here to now, and I'm I'm thankful for that. And uh, so I ministered in uh, my first ministry was in Conyers, Georgia, and uh, my uncle Coy Bass uh, had done revivals there, and Ted Jones, the guy who said that to me about being a preacher, was the minister there. Wow! Were, he had to leave. Brother Ted had to wow. leave. And he said to my Uncle Coy, do you know anybody that might come up here and preach here in Conyers for these people? They had a little tiny shotgun house where they'd knocked the walls out and made an auditorium out of it, run about 15, 20 people. Uh, Will you, uh, do you know anybody come up here and do this for us? He said, let me call my nephew. I was 20 years old, just a few months from me and Suzanne getting married, and uh, I went up there and met two of the finest Christian people that ever met in your life. They've both gone on to be with the Lord, Shelly and Christine Smith. Shelly was a deacon. Christine played the piano. And you can ask anybody from Conyers, Georgia, that's affiliated with the Christian churches, you're not going to find better people. You might find some as good. You won't find none better than Shelly and Christine. They adopted me and Suzanne, took care of us, and I moved. We moved there. I drove to the college every day, and we ministered there. And it was always my my dream, my hope, but I would not want to go back. I got ahead of myself. While I didn't particularly get real excited about going to church when I was a kid, teenager and all, I always loved revival meetings. I always loved them. And my dad, if there was a revival in one of the area churches, He made me, he had me go with him, which really wasn't a struggle because I always liked revivals. And my dad would load me up in a truck and we would go to revival, Monday night usually, at another church. Because if my dad liked the preacher that was preaching revival, we'd go back. (laughs) We'd go back, we'd go back maybe uh, Thursday and Friday night. We wouldn't go Wednesday because we went to Bible study at our church. And uh, then, uh, but I always wanted to be an evangelist. I always wanted to be an evangelist. And anytime I had the chance to talk to somebody that was in evangelism, like Doctor Orville Morgan, I just I couldn't. I know I aggravated them. I know I drove them crazy. And so I decided that's what I was going to do. And God opened that door for me through a, mainly through a fellow named Jimmy Vernon of Jesus Place Inner City. He promoted me and told people to use me when I was I was such a young preacher tom at that time let me tell you how young i was i still had training wheels on my bible that's <laughs> how young I was. and uh I, uh but then i uh came back down here and preaching in Conyers. we had built a brand new church building so you didn't know you signed on for all of this did you <laughs> you thought i was kidding when you said i was practiced this for 30 years we had built a brand new church building and, and the deacons and the elders there said let's get a Fellow that's pretty well known. You know, let's get somebody that'll draw a crowd. Well, we'd never done that before. We just used somebody, you know, local. Someone never...
0: down the road.
1: Right. We yeah. I don't pay nobody. And there was nobody at that time that had the ministry like you do that would help little churches like that. Right. And, or if there was, we didn't know about them. Let me correct that quickly. There may have been, it probably was. I just didn't know about them. Well, at that time in the Christian churches and churches of Christ, the the probably the most famous guy we had was Cecil Todd. And I, I said to Cecil, will you come preach a revival for us? And Cecil said, I don't do revivals in little, uh, not little, he didn't say that. He said, I don't do revivals in churches anymore because we're doing the tent things. And they were doing a tent crusade in Carrollton the same week we were in revival in Conyers, which is about an hour and a half, two hours away. So, he said, ask that, that guy. And that guy was Bus Weissman. And meeting Bus Weissman changed. <clears throat> I'd get emotional. I didn't used to get emotional. I got in my 70s. And now I can't <laughs> even a TV commercial without crying. But he said, uh, ask him. And I asked Bus. That changed my life, Tom, for the better in so many ways. I was in evangelism. I was traveling with Go Tell Others Evangelizing Association with Larry Jameson. I was doing revivals, but in 1973 bus invited me to be one of the speakers at the Hillsborough family camp. He met me when he did our revival in Conyers, and he extended that invitation. Buss and I hit it off. we were you've met people where you're like instant friends. yeah, you just met them a day or two ago, but it's like you've known each other. That's the way things click between bus and myself and uh, so he invited me, and from that. Every, almost every good thing that I have in my life today has come through being a part of the Hillsborough Family Camp. And in 1979, I went to work with person to person evangelism and worked with them for a while, and then moved back home. And um, I'd still be doing evangelistic work, but basically, my health will not permit that anymore. And uh, I still do several. Well, after COVID, I, everything got canceled. You know how that was.
0: Oh yeah.
1: I was afraid to answer the phone call. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there's somebody else is going to cancel, and they did. Yeah. And we canceled. We canceled a few things here, but um, I still did quite a few revivals. I've been very fortunate at uh, the church I had prior to coming here, which was Westview Church in Newnan, Georgia. Um. They allowed me a lot of freedom in revivals and men's retreats and rallies and conferences. Um, men like Denny Colburn have been good to use me at winter worship and things, and so things have picked up a little bit. But there's it was my health the way it is, and at my age, I never thought I'd say that. Um, I just can't travel like I used to, but I love doing that, and I would be doing it now if my health would permit me to do it. But now. Don't misunderstand me. This February, I'll be with the, will have been the evangelist here at Lester Road for 20 years,
0: 20 years,
1: 20 years. And Mm. this church has supported me. If I mention I have a revival. They don't gripe, They don't complain. They say, go to it. They pray for me while I'm gone. They even call me while I'm what's going on. How's the revival going? I have never, my life had better and more supportive elders. I
0: baptized three
1: out of the four of them but uh well, you, i've uh, never never had more supportive elders than I have now
0: so many times over the years, and a lot of preachers don't do revivals anymore uh some a lot of them don't believe in revivals i they they say revivals are dead i always I just say the church is dead, and we need revival. but That's but right. I was blessed in most churches I was at because I was able to teach them what I learned from my home church where my grandfather who had done a lot of revivals through the years, when he went on revival, the elders called him up the Sunday before in front of the congregation, laid hands on him, and prayed for him in the revival. And the whole church prayed. And they felt like any soul won, they had a part in. Any soul reclaimed for the Lord, they had a part in. And I've been blessed in most of the churches I've been that uh, before we started traveling full time, uh, well, we're in our 18th year now doing that, but we had churches that uh, during the time I held about 50 to 60 revivals in those first 29 years, that the churches were very good about praying over me and sending me out and just knowing that it was a blessing to them to have someone who could go and do that. And I I wish more churches understood that.
1: I even have an elder uh, who I love with all my heart baptized him. And uh, he told me, I told the elders one time, and they would do this if I asked them, I just don't ask them. You know, and I know, there are times that you go to a small church, they just don't have the wherewithal to really financially stand behind you. And I've come up, as you have, uh, having lost money, if if you want to put it that way.
0: Yep.
1: And the church here has made an agreement. I didn't ask for it. Didn't ask for it. That if I come up short, they'll make up the difference.
0: That's wonderful. You can't, you
1: can't. And I never have taken advantage of that. I want that understood. I've never taken advantage of that. But I know if I went to him, they'd do it. Because God always uh, supplies what you need. He gets it for you. But I want to mention, you mentioned that you and I have crossed paths on occasion. I used to do revivals a lot. I've done a lot of revivals with George and Nidra Melton. And you have, too. Oh, yes. yeah. And I would hear Tom Weaver, Tom Weaver, Tom <laughs> Weaver talking. That's, That's probably, probably where I
0: heard Tony Sullivan so much. <laughs> yes, <probably. laughs>
1: and I thought I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll ever meet this guy. And then you and I, Don Todd, yep. has also been a blessing to me in my ministry. And he's going to be with us here at church in a few weeks. Ah, uh, at, at Nashville, and you and I crossed paths in Nashville for the first yeah. time. And you know, all and then you were nice enough to come over to Bristol or wherever I was, Kingsport, one night.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we were. Yeah, uh, it was a little out of our way, but I told Beth we were starting we were starting a revival on Sunday, I think at Birdstown in central Tennessee, and you were over in East Tennessee and I said, you know, we were leaving from one church to another. I said, We gotta stay somewhere. Let's just drive the extra miles and go hear Tony. She was all for it, which tells you again, she hears she's at revival all the time. But I'll I'll never forget first of all, you were not feeling well. And no. you did a tremendous job. A it's tremendous not- sermon. And we walked out, the lights were still on, and Beth took my hand, and we were walking in the parking lot, and she said, look at us, Tom, we're leaving a Revival, and the lights are still on, and we're, there's still cars in the parking lot, and we're we're going to our motel. <laughs> that doesn't happen to us very much, so we enjoyed it for a lot of reasons, but it was worth coming out of our way to hear you preach.
1: Well, I appreciate it, y'all, doing that. That meant a lot to me, and uh, you're right, I, and that's another thing I, that I just... Then last year I had the COVID and was in the hospital from COVID.
0: I remember we were praying for you.
1: Yeah, and uh, so that slowed me down a bit. I am, uh, Lord willing, I'll make a plug. That's what they do on all these TV shows where they talk Right. <laughs> of course, I think by the time this plays, I'll be out and going uh, September 26th through uh, October, I mean September 29th, I'll be in um, Kent Christian Church outside of Madison, Indiana. And then the uh, 27th, 28th, and 29th of October, I'll be in Walterboro, South Carolina.
0: Okay, I believe that, I think this will, will broadcast before you're in South Carolina, but probably after you're in Indiana.
1: But you mentioned Birchtown. I was in Birchtown many years ago. They invited me earlier, and I couldn't go because I was booked, and then um uh, uh, a preacher, friend of mine's son preached there for a while, and then um, I do forgot who was the preacher there. Now I'd be a liar if I had it. But uh, anyway, they invited me. So I was in Bergstown a few years back.
0: They are great people. We're uh, we're are. looking forward to being up there this coming week, and okay. uh, we're we start on Sunday. Uh, and this is uh, this is August twenty fourth when this is being uh, right. inter- the interview. But uh, as people know, we have a backlog, which. We try to do because you never know where you're going to be. We can't do it live, and right. and our sound issues sometimes are pretty bad because we we have to do them in so many different locations. But uh, Birdstown is not only a great church; they are one of our what we call a partner church. They're one of about 16 churches that help keep us on the road now, and and uh, so we can do things for free. So we're very appreciative of, of Birdstown, and I'm going to mention your name while I'm there. Uh, there. Maybe they'll they'll have you back up there again. They
1: probably won't remember. They, if I'm correct, if I got the right church, there's a lady in that church that owns like a resort thing with a restaurant and people park their boats and they have motel area and they have a little cottage. That's where they put me up.
0: One of the one of the elders, uh, I believe he's an elder there, uh, and his wife are I believe partners in in that uh, in the marina Sunset Marina. Yeah. And then they've got another one further north that they've just opened recently. And that's where we always stay. And, uh, and now, now just get off your story for a moment here. I was in Shannon, Mississippi, well, really south of Tupelo this last week and doing a revival. And you wrote me saying that that was your first church out of Bible college.
1: Oak Ridge, Christian church, Oak Valley. Oak Valley.
0: Valley. Oak Ridge is actually in Tupelo and Oak Valley is, and, and, you know, there was a couple that remembered you, uh, uh, Time tells you age, they were an older couple, but they remember you being oh, a young was man there. Panel? Uh, I believe that's who it was. They asked for your phone number, so they may be calling you soon. Oh,
1: good. Uh, when I was, I'm, I hate to say this like this, but it's true. A lot of the folk there, when I went there, I went there in 1970. They were older people then. They were in their 70s and 80s then. Uh, uh, the Robinsons, the, uh, oh, man, alive, uh. That's awful, isn't it? I can't think of their names. Well, it's names. been a
0: few years, Brother Tony.
1: There was uh, Nettie Joe. I can't remember, Miss Nettie, uh, I can't remember their names. Anyway, the 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 church, the parsonage, we, the, this is the only place we ever lived in a parsonage. And the parsonage was just probably, it was easy walking distance down to Oak Ridge. But I did notice that, out in where you were at it's how it was then i don't know how it is now that was 1970 and 71 we were only there a little over a year and that's when i accepted the call to gto and going into full-time evangelistic work right uh we moved our family to Vincennes, indiana and was there for a while helping with a church there and also doing evangelistic work but uh uh the uh Miss Nettie, I mentioned there. Miss Nettie, she was our babysitter when we had to, the only one we had then was Matthew, who's the preacher now in Shoals, Indiana. And our other son, Mark, we only had Matthew. And Miss Nettie, we keep Matthew when we want to go do things. But, uh, yeah, we preached there, and uh, it was out in the country. And I noticed they've got a really nice addition since we were there.
0: Yes, uh, this is their third auditorium, and they've had it um, well I preached in the old building, or the second building, I guess, of the church. Before I started traveling, I went down there several times from Tennessee and held revivals. But this is a new, very nice building, facility. And they have young, younger families and children. Uh, and they're still out there among the cows.
1: Still, yeah. Still yeah. out among the cows. I remember one Sunday we were getting ready to have, I won't say who's, oh, there was the Wilson family, too, I remember them. Uh, there was a... Uh, tornado coming up and you know that's kind of in tornado alley yes sir and if you remember in 1934 1936 they had a tornado come through tupelo killed nearly 300 something people yeah so when i was there anytime there was a tornado or tornado warnings or watches it was a scary time for everybody so one sunday night we went ahead and had church even though there were watches and warnings all around us and i'll never forget this this is so funny to me i still use this as an illustration sometimes one of the ladies in the churches, we started Sunday night service said to me, come on, let's get this show started. <laughs> <laughs> he was wanting to get home, you know, in case there was a tornado cause most of those people had tornado shelters, but we, we met some wonderful people there. Billy panel was my barber okay. and my giver of watermelon. Every watermelon I ate in Mississippi, I think Billy gave to me, including yellow meat, watermelons. And, uh,
0: we came home with two watermelons last week. I don't, from, I don't believe it was from them, but, but we got two, two good-sized watermelons. Uh, good, just good folks. good folks. I
1: believe Billy would probably. I'm going to guess. I may be wrong. I'm going to say seven to ten years older than me.
0: That would if that would be who I'm thinking of. Yes,
1: I'm 74, so Billy's probably going to be. boy, if he hears this, he might get mad if I'm wrong but I'm going to guess he'd be in his early 80s by now.
0: Well, um, probably the podcast before yours is going to be their preacher, so if they're going to start listening, they'll start listening the week before yours comes out. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go on. Tell me more about uh, you You traveled. Uh, you did a lot of revivals then.
1: I did. I don't know how many revivals over the years. I wish I had kept track of it. Um, I've uh, been to India. I did a two-and-a-half-week thing in india uh, with reggie thomas many years ago reggie was one of my teachers in college and reggie and i worked together on several occasions I, several years ago they i was speaking and i uh, at a thing where reggie was on the program and i uh, said to reggie you know you taught me in college uh i went to haiti and worked in haiti with reggie He invited me to be a part of what was at that time called the Caribbean invasion back in the early 70s Mm -hmm. that went uh, into Haiti and other places. But he asked me and a preacher that um, used to be in evangelism all time, Hillary Underwood. I don't know if you know Hillary. I
0: know the name, but I I don't know him.
1: He's one of those guys that's with the Lord now. But Hillary and I never met each other, didn't know Hillary from the side of the barn. And because we were in full-time evangelism, both of us, and they were wanting two evangelists to come to the Grand Bahama Islands off of this huge, I mean, there were 100, 200 people that led what was called the Caribbean invasion, and they went to Haiti and other places. Uh, They wanted a couple of those guys uh, that contacted Rage and said, can we have two of them come to the Grand Bahama Islands? They're going everywhere else but the Grand Bahamas, and we'd like two of your evangelists uh, to come to the Grand Bahamas. And he called me and Hillary me and said, you guys are <laughs> in full-time evangelism. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to run into. You don't know where you're going to stay. So you're adapted to going to the Grand Bahamas because I have no idea what you're going to run into. First time I ever rode in a limousine was in the Grand Bahama Islands, and the guy driving the car was drunk. So we were all over the road. He was taking me and Hillary back to the motel, picked us up in his limousine. We almost went in the ditch 30 or 40 times. That was a lot of fun that day. But I've been there. Uh, Reggie took me there. And I told Reggie, I said, uh, or got me there. He didn't take me there. I said, we've never been on a program till this year. And we were on the program. And then later, a few years later, I was at the Kai Meets Clinic. And uh, Reggie was there. I spoke. Two years there in a row and Reggie was there the first year but he was not on the program the second year they had me back and Reggie spoke and then uh that year Reggie spoke after I did so I had to comment on that to him and then Reggie called me about a book he has just written and wanted to know if I'd do a little promotion for him in the Herald and I did and then it was it was before the ever the promotion ended up in the Herald uh, he passed away but so I've been into, the Lord has allowed me to go to, I feel like I'm bragging. I, and I, I feel bad, but
0: I don't, I don't feel like that. You're telling your story. That's what we want.
1: But I went to the Grand Bahamas. We baptized nearly 300 people in two and a half weeks in the Grand Bahamas with wow. India, where we baptized. And I know that this is controversy, but it's just the truth. 1500 people, just our little group, me and one other guy named Jay Romans, yeah. 1500 days with the Lord. Uh, don't hang around with me. I'll tell you a story. I mentioned, you mentioned to me about some guys that have gone on to be with the Lord here in the last few weeks that you've talked to. Yeah. I'm, I was preaching at the, uh, winter worship, but I mentioned two preachers and my, ser- three preachers in my sermon that time, two of them died within a month or two. Kevin Yeager, you know, Kevin, Yeah. Kevin called me out of the blue and said, never use my name in any of your sermons. You mentioned three guys in your sermons at the, uh, uh, when I worship, two of them are dead. Never mention my name in one of your sermons.
0: I was so just I about to... to say the same thing. Please, brother. <laughs>
1: yeah. I always try to mention Kevin however chance I get.
0: He's a great guy.
1: Yes, he is. And we got to go into, the, uh, into India and uh, did a little side trip in Nepal. God has put people in my lifetime, including you, for allowing me to do this. God has put people in my life. That have just affirmed his love for me, um, just things that that I never thought would ever happen, and doors open. And I, I'm I'm very grateful for every door that's ever been opened to me. Uh, I have what I call my camp meeting buddies. Yes, sir. And you're, you're in that group. And these mm-hmm. are guys that some of them have never been to camp meeting, but they fit into a little category that I cannot describe. As a matter of fact, our church secretary knows it. Here's a rule that I, I'm going to be speaking in a few weeks at Louisville Bible College in a chapel, and I want to tell these guys, I have a rule that I learned from a, when I was in Sam Stone's practical ministries class in seminary from one of the boys in the class who told us about his father, and I cannot remember who it is. And this was good advice, I thought, for old preachers and young preachers. I have a rule that I learned from this man that Matthew or Mark, those are my two sons. My wife Suzanne, any of my grandkids, or any of my either two of my daughter in laws, Sherry or Tina. Anytime they call me, they've got me. If they call me right now, I'd put you on hold and answer that call. Sure. They got me. I don't put them off. But and but now they don't take advantage of that. But I know that if one of them calls me, they got my top priority. After that are the four elders who remember. Part of the congregation, then comes my camp meeting buddies. That any of those groups can get me pretty much anytime they want to. Everybody else, they might call in and say, "Tony, I'll call you back when he can." If I'm not, my camp meeting buddies get through, and you are in that group, Kevin Yeager. God has just blessed me with so many. I could, if I wrote a book and gave two. Pages to each of my friends that God has blessed me with, it'd be bigger than going with the Wind. And <laughs> I just can't tell you how blessed I am uh, with people that God has put in my life. Um, that and, and I'm true that that's true with you too. I know that you mm. look back on and, and you uh, sometimes you say, "Well, what would I have done if Joe hadn't have been there?" Right. Well, you I, you and I both know God would have got if Joe hadn't been there. God would have got somebody. Right. But Joe was there. hmm And uh, I mean, when I had the COVID and was in the hospital, I didn't answer the phone. I felt bad about it, but I didn't feel like talking to anybody. And I don't know how many phone calls came in to me. My wife had COVID at the same time I did. Yeah. And they were calling the house. And uh you know, when I get to feeling blue and depressed and down in the man and I'm again I'm the only one that ever does that. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. Guess I'll go eat worms when you start feeling like that. Um, I call it a gentle reminder. God seems to give me a gentle reminder. Well, what about this person and that person and this person? Starting with Owen Steele, who I never met, who if I hadn't, my grandfather, I have no idea how he met Owen Steele. No idea. Um, He loved to tell the story about the time Owen Steele drove his Model T or Model A off a ferry and ended up in the mud outside the Chattahoochee River. And oh. My granddad down with a horse and buggy and pull that uh, horseless carriage out of the mud for him back around 1927-28 because they didn't have a bridge then across Chattahoochee. They had to use a ferry. Uh, if that had not happened, had Owen Steele not met my grandfather, mm-hmm. I don't know where I would be today. I mean, i Possibly would have been right here talking to you today. That's a possibility, but there's a I don't know where I'd be. So, never discount who God puts in your life, and never discount who God puts you in somebody's life.
0: Yes, yeah. You know, it goes that way for all of us. You never know whose lives you've touched by you winning. Maybe this this ten year old boy to Christ who right. who is. Well, he's a little bit of a, a little bit of something to handle, but he comes and you take him under your wing in the church and you say to him, and I'm, I'm apt to say that to some kids. And I've I've done this quite a bit since I've been traveling to look at a young man and look him in the eyes and talk to him for a bit. And I'll say to him, if I feel led to do so, I believe that you might make a fine preacher and just know that's all I'm leaving in their head yeah. and and just leave that there because you've made a very good point of that right now that. That you don't know that that will be the one thing that sticks in the in the mind, and it may be that God used you to put that in their mind. Well, it's a, in their it's,
1: heart, you know, Paul talks about planting seed. Right? Seed on big. Now I believe in big things. I believe you sat down at the table and say to somebody, "This is God's plan of salvation." But there's seed you plant, and sometimes all you have time to do is plant a seed. You don't have time to sit there and explain the plan of salvation, or disciple that person the way they need to be. You only have time to plant that seed. You plant it to a person next to you on an airplane. Or uh, uh, I think about old Ray Bennett. He travels uh, in a Cracker Barrel. Old Ray will plant a seed at the truck stop. He'll plant a seed. Uh, He just, just, he's a great evangelist, but he's a great seed planter. We have a lady in our church, Sarah Moore. Uh, She met a man one year in Gatlinburg that was trying to find his daughter. She had ran away from home. And, uh, it was early in the morning and Sarah was up walking and she asked the guy, she didn't know the guy, never met the guy, didn't know who he was. And he was just at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, walking the streets of Pigeon Forge, trying to find a daughter who had run away from home with her boyfriend. And the boyfriend had abandoned her in Pigeon Forge, oh. left her very little money and nothing, you know, and he was trying to find his daughter. Sarah said, this is all she could do. Can I pray for you? And he said, please. She had prayer with him, and she walked back down to the motel where she's staying. She planted that seed, just a seed. And, and you never know what the, what's that's going to grow into. Okay. I mean, I don't know. If Ted Jones had not said that to me, maybe I would have been a dentist doing your root canal. I don't <laughs>
0: know.
1: You know, maybe I'd have been a, a doctor. I don't know. Maybe I'd have been a professional wrestler like Hulk Hogan. I Not like Hulk Hogan, but <laughs> I, I did. You know I, this is one thing that you tell me. Tell my me story. Yes, sir. For three, three and a half years, I worked in professional wrestling.
0: Did you really?
1: Yes, I did, and I can attest to this. Don't tell anybody. I told you this. Has to cut this out, okay? <laughs> they don't need to hear this. It's fake. Professional wrestling is is well. It's predetermined. It's predetermined. Predetermined. They know they know who's going to win before they get in the ring. Most people don't know
0: that. That's been a burning question on my heart for years, Brother Tony. I'm glad you finally yeah. answered that.
1: Yeah. Oh, and one other thing, uh, <laughs> I guess you will No, But you know, anyway, I did for three and a half years. And what's funny to me is people will say, did you know Hulk Hogan? Did you know Andre the Giant? Did you know all these people? Those people are younger than I am. Mm. You know, The ones I knew and worked with, and I was not a wrestler. I didn't. I did other things for them. But uh, three and a half years locally in Carrollton, my hometown, I worked with a guy named Jimmy Strickland, who was the promoter, and uh, just did odd jobs and things. But I met these guys. 99% of the guys that I met, nobody ever heard of, and the ones that I met are dead. So I, I don't know any of these current guys. But I did, three and a half years in, in the world of professional wrestling. But uh, one thing I do want to mention before before we go close out and I know you're going to have to edit a lot of this, but
0: no, I'm not going to edit any of it. You're, you're just well, stuck. I,
1: I should have watched my language a lot. better. <laughs> anyway, in, um, I was in Kentucky at a preacher's retreat. Uh, I was, I was not a good frame of mind at that time. I was having some problems with a business, uh, bookstore that my wife and I had started. It was an idea that we would operate a Christian bookstore and then when I was in revival, she would, you know, manage it and run it for us. And it it became a Frankenstein's monster and uh, literally pretty much it just destroyed us. It took everything that ever worked and we're still recovering financially from that disaster. It just didn't work. But I was kind of depressed about the business and a fellow named Don Boswell, who was the preacher of my home church, uh, took me to Kentucky get me away from the bookstore and just give me a little breath of fresh air. And I got to see a good buddy of mine, Denny Colburn, and some others, and really enjoyed it. And while I was there, a fellow by the name of Bill Stoball, I don't know if you know Bill or not, Mm -hmm. told me, said that I needed to call, and now his name escapes me. His first name was Tom. He was the director of the Christian Restoration Association. And that's awful that his name escapes me. Said, Tom would like to talk to you. And I called him, and he said, "How about coming and being one of our associate evangelists?" And uh, I really enjoyed working with him. Can't think of his name because I never. Because I asked him how many times a year would I need to come to Cincinnati, and he said, "You don't have to come at all if you don't want to." So I worked with them. They and, and um, later on, Tom told me at the prayer clinic. Excuse me, the prayer clinic in Grundy. I was just there working the bookstore booth. I wasn't on the program. I was just working the bookstore booth. And Tom said, uh, I'm retiring. And man, that just bothered me. I didn't want Tom to, to leave, you know. And uh, he said, I can't tell you who the new director is going to be, but you're going to like him. And I thought, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I've already made up my mind, you know. And uh, it was this guy named Lee Mason.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And I don't have a closer friend than Lee Mason.
0: You're a fine person. We
1: we have laughed so hard in the car that I thought we were going to have a wreck. Um, We shed a few tears together, but we've worked together 22 or 23 years. Mm. And uh, there's not a finer friend that I have than Lenny Mason. Matter of fact, I'm set up to do his service when he goes, and if I go first, he's set up to do mine, and uh, to this day, that's another door, the CRA, when God opened that door to me, and I've been with him, I can't remember, 25, 26 years, and Lee, we were eating in a Mexican restaurant, if you can believe that, coming back from the North in 1998, Lee said to me, would you be willing to write a monthly article for the Herald? That's the Restoration Herald for... Restoration Herald. Yeah. He said uh, that, and I've been there doing that since 1998. And then Lee retired. So I'm on my third director now. And uh, I met this guy in the year 2000 at the Del Marva Fair. I meet people in restaurants. It seems like I always meet them in restaurants. (laughs) Except you. You had a big... Well, there there was a restaurant real close to us when we met. It was right there in the hotel with us. But... um, john mitchell's his name retired from the navy and uh john i met him in the year 2000 he'd only been a christian i think seven or eight months when i met him and over the years got to know him and he's from georgia and i tell people everywhere i go i was georgia born i was georgia bred and when i die i'll be georgia dead and so <laughs> john came in and became our director and over the years i have worked with john and different things uh, john had me do a revival for him uh, Union Grove Church there in Virginia years ago and now he's our director and so I'm on my third director and they they tolerate me pretty good but that's another blessing that God opened up to me was that door to work with the CRA I've been a very blessed person I mean if God just said uh, I'm going to let you sit over here in this little corner in heaven and don't bother nobody that'd be fine with me because man I've been so blessed so blessed
0: we know so many people. My wife says she's going to know more people in heaven than, than a lot of folks because of what God has allowed us to do for the last 18 years. Right. And uh, I just, we, we feel so blessed. I have said that had I not become a Christian, uh, I would not know the people I know. I mean, I, I know people from all over the world that I never would have met had I not become a Christian, first of all. Right. And, and, uh, and I, I said that before I even started traveling full time. But now traveling full-time, uh, I've got to meet people like you and people whose uh, names I've heard as song leaders, George Melton and I became good friends. He became my traveling mentor is what I called him. He kept, he was like a, a dad to, to my wife, Beth. Uh, we became really close. and uh, In fact, we'd done a, a revival with him in Arkansas just a few months before he passed. And uh, we were just so... Uh, it just really hit a lot of us hard because he was a, he was just a he was a solid talk about your rock solid he was a rock yeah. solid man who turned down a lot of fame because he would not he would not uh allow some of the gospel to be taken out That's and right. and sign up paperwork saying, "Well, I can accept this even though he didn't." Uh yeah. and got in with some of the larger singers and and uh never a finer tenor that you'd ever hear. Sure.
1: I was with him in Ohio. Um uh, we were in Caledonia, Ohio together. Did a lot of, we did a lot of revivals in Caledonia, As a matter of fact they had us come every other year. And uh
0: That was, was uh I'm trying to think what the name of that church was in Caledonia.
1: Caledonia Church of Christ.
0: Yeah. Um Boswell was there. Yep, I did a revival yep. there before I started traveling full-time, and yep. Ken and I were buddies out in Colorado when he was ministering in Colorado.
1: Oh, I, love, I love Ken Boswell with all my heart. Him and Cindy are just two great people.
0: <laughs> they really are. They, now I
1: tell you, they, 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 they've they been good to me. And uh I matter of fact, I talked to him um, a few weeks ago. I heard that his health was kind of like mine, that he wasn't doing real well. As a matter of yeah. fact, that is worse than mine is what I was pretty much – came to the conclusion i called him on the phone and he and i talked for 35 or 40 minutes and caught up i hadn't seen him in a while um if i do a revival up in that area i was at the pines christian church a few years ago him and cindy usually come over and so i get to see them but after george and i did that revival um it was a few weeks later that i found out that he had a cancer yeah he had yeah, they used to come through Carrollton. They'd make a trip through Carrollton and park their bus in our backyard and stay with us for a few days before they'd go on. Well,
0: we we still do revivals with, uh, well, we've done a few with Kenny, uh, but Dave is the one that we do more revivals with now, and that's usually maybe one or two a year, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I
1: have not done one with, I want to do one with, if any churches are listening to this, I'd love to do one with Well,
0: remember, you, you I've
1: done one when he was with his dad. You know, back even before, when Nidra was at home, you know, when Andy was still growing up, I did meetings with the Meltons then, and uh, when Kenny was with them and, and all, and David. And I worked with David. David had me come out to Ravenwood, Missouri, and do a revival for him. Yeah. But I've never done a meeting with David and his family. I'd love to.
0: Well, uh, we were just before I, we began this podcast, I was sitting down with our partner, Greg, and Beth, and we were going over the calendars. We try to do this once a year because with so many meetings, sometimes we get confused and we don't get it all down right. And several of them between now and 2027, if you can imagine, we're booking in 2027. But that's all Lord willing. Uh, might not be here tomorrow. Hopefully the Lord will come back uh, t- this afternoon. But every time we came across one where where the Meltons, uh, Dave and uh, had been with us and his family, uh, I, I said they're on the calendar, and I said that's probably wishful thinking on my part. But I'm hoping that the church is booking them again. <laughs> yeah. uh, these churches I, we've yeah. been out together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had the Meltons with me at the Pines. As a matter of fact, it was at the Pines where we put together a little team and did some publicity and book meetings. As a result of that, at working it was Negro who said, "Why don't we just we work together? Good. Why don't we try to put this together?" and we did for several times. I've been on their bus I don't, enough. They never threw me out, but they had a the reason to believe me. <laughs> so we, we, we did pretty good
0: there. Well, as 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 times kind of winding down on us brother Tony, uh, I, I I want to ask you a question. I don't always get to ask this, but you travel a lot. I get this questions like this too because of our traveling. In fact, Greg and I did a workshop at the Missouri Convention a few years back on drifting from the restoration movement and uh uh I'm, and, and Not that particularly, but in your travels and what you've seen and your years in ministry, uh, it's a three-part question. You can take one, two, or all three parts of it, but here it goes. What do you believe to be the greatest challenges facing the church, individual Christians, and or ministry today going forward? That's a loaded question.
1: That's a good question. I think, And I've asked this question in churches where I've been, oddly enough, usually just to the evangelist of that church because he's the one I'm spending a lot of time with. And I usually get the same answer. Leadership, whether it be the evangelist locally, the elders, the deacons, we need stronger leadership in the churches. Um, Good answer. Individual Christians. And the way we get that, and I heard an an, uh, interview just this morning with another good friend of mine, another guy that God blessed, and man, did he undersell his con- contribution to the kingdom? That's Tom Earhart.
0: Tom oh has my goodness! A yes,
1: dynamic blessing.
0: He, he's he, been a blessing to Beth and I. That pray for us all the time, and we just he's,
1: he mentioned the Hillsborough men's thing that he used to go. He provided all the coffee and cookies for that for years. Wow. Oh, Being a preacher, that's a big blessing. Tom Earhart has done a lot for the kingdom. And I love Tom Earhart and just think he's a great guy. But I heard him mention these rallies and things that, you know, he attends. You brought that up to him. And I think for some reason, those things have died. Yes. And I remember when we had leadership conferences and... Men in local congregations, uh, Bible college professors, evangelists like yourself, they would come and for three or four days or over a weekend, they would teach the the, the role of an elder, the role of a deacon, the role of the evangelist. And men would learn that and, and for the most part carry it out. And that's one thing I've seen. We go every year, we take we don't take as many as we used to. But we've had men who attended the Kimich Clinic back years ago when it's say day. Uh, We've taken a few folks to the Hillsborough Family Camp. We won for seven or eight, nine years in a row the attendance record. Uh, We were taking 30 and 40 people to winter worship and and workshop, which I know we don't have time, but I'd love to talk to you about that sometime. It's one of the best things going. And uh, they would hear great, solid preaching. And this builds our people. And uh, I tell them, and I've always had other preachers preach it where I preach I tell my the people here, they need to hear somebody else.
0: Yes. I always they do that to too.
1: I need to hear it. I need to hear it. And so I think we need somehow, because people, this comes to the individuals. There's too many things they think are more important than this. And so if you have a leadership conference, the men you want there probably aren't going to come. Yeah. They're going to be home watching Roseanne or the baseball game. Even though guy got a DVD and they could tape it and watch it later, they're not going to come. Well, they worked hard. Well, nobody worked hard in the, harder than the guys in the fifties and the sixties. Nobody. I don't mm. care what you do for a living. Those guys climbed under houses, climbed through houses, milk ch- milk chickens. <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> that you know, was
0: a, that was a challenge right there, milking milk, chickens. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> milk cows and fought yeah. the bulls and stayed out in the mud and the swamps, and they still came every night. Yep. You know, went home, took a quick bath. Swallowed supper whole and showed up at the revival Those guys seem to be a thing of the past And so We got to get leadership trained In the churches We got to get individuals in these churches Understanding the kingdom of God comes first And They, they have to have a hunger and a thirst I am want to be an elder okay? What does that mean? What do I need to do? How do I right. carry that? And I don't know I'm not smart enough to know how to cure that problem I think it's a matter of the heart, to, to, to penetrate the heart. Yes, sir. I do think leadership, and one more thing, I mentioned this in my sermon Sunday, and I've seen other people post this on Facebook, uh, and it's true. We're living in an age, time, and you know this, and I do too, where what you feel and what you think is more important than what God said.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: Uh, I read just this week on one of the little clubs or whatever you want to call it I'm a member of on Facebook and I don't want to use the guy's name because I don't have his permission but he Mm. this everybody I know I'm talking about if they hear it but he's talking about a Bible college that he lives close to and he's familiar with this college and he's familiar with one of the local churches in this town where their music minister and her fiance who's studying to be a minister in this college that is a church Christ Christian church school are living together basically without the benefit of marriage. The college has done nothing about it. They say they will, but they haven't. And he reported it. So when he reports it, he becomes the villain. Yeah. He becomes the one who's troubling Jerusalem, but he's re- reported it to the church and he's reported to the college now, what remains is what are they going to do? But the idea is, well, we love each other, we're going to get married, uh, we're serving Jesus, and uh, Jesus loves us, and he understands, but that violates a direct commandment of scripture, right, but there again, in that the eyes if if I' I've, I've pray to God, I've done that correctly and said that correctly. If I didn't, please forgive me, and may the Lord forgive me. but I read it several times. And I uh, will not use this man's name because I would not cause him any more grief than he's already got. Right. But what I think, what I feel, is more important than what God said. And then they try to take Paul and Peter knows and well. That's just what he said. You know. Well, no, it's not. It's what God said because God breathed into them. Right. The words they wrote. Those are the words of God. It's not Peter's words and Paul's words; it's God's word, and uh, we need to obey it for that reason. Plus, they were apostles, which that puts them on a whole new, another plane than any of us have ever been on. But I think those are some problems we got to get respect for the word of God back in our people and get them to understand whether I like it or not. This is what Scripture says, and I have to do it if I right. love Jesus. You love me, keep my commandments, and then. We need strong leadership. We need men who know how to go to somebody who is living in sin and in love and compassion, realizing that they may be the next one that the elders have to come and see. Right. And bring them to repentance.
0: Well, I appreciate that, and that's that needs to be said. And we need it be, to be said. Of course, you and I would say it as evangelists, like I'm always telling churches, I can say it, I'm leaving in five days. But I've, I said it when I was in the local church, you know. I did, still do, and I know you do, and that's what I appreciate about you. And I, our time is definitely up. I'm going to okay. ask you to hold on with me after we get off here, because I'd like to visit with you for just a few more minutes before I go. But okay. uh, I, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this podcast and pray if it's been a blessing to you that you will share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye. And may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.